0: delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by theracetalk.com, this is On The Grid. Good G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us, a massive show coming your way very shortly, we're going to catch up with IndyCar champ Scotty McLaughlin, Two wins so far in 2022. He's having a great year. We'll talk about that and lots of other things as well. Richard Crowell to join me for that interview in just a sec. Mark Walker then to join us to talk about what has been a massive weekend in motor racing. F1 GP in Silverstone. How big was that? Also the Indy Lights win for Hunter McIlroy over in the States. And we'll preview what promises to be a massive weekend of supercars up in Townsville. All that to come right here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. All right, joining me as he does always off the top of the show, Richard Crail. Good idea, you, my friend. Hello, Tony. Nice to see you. Nice to be back after a... Uh, couple of days of whale watching up in Sydney.
1: Yes, I took the show over
0: last week. Thanks for that. Turned yeah. into a bit of a Porsche fest
1: because there was some big news from a, an Aussie bloke doing nice things on the international stage, but we thought we might keep that theme going this week. We're not quite an Aussie, though we're definitely claiming him and have done so for some time. But uh, what about the news on the weekend from mid-Ohio? Uh,
0: amazing news. The only man to win multiple races in IndyCar for 2022. His name is Scott McLaughlin. And he joins us for a chat. Hello, Scotty. How are you, buddy?
2: Yeah, good day, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on board, mate. First of all, congratulations, Mid Ohio. Fantastic win. It was a pretty solid weekend all, all round.
2: Yeah, look, um, it's one of those weekends where you know, as a team, I felt like we had really three strong cars. Um, and probably three cars that could have easily, you know, been in the top six and qualifying. And um, you know, there's a few issues, obviously, with. Will holding up Alio and qualifying it allowed him not to get through to, quali- to to Q2 and then that knocked him out and then Joseph having his issues it really was up to me to sort of fly the flag and make sure I put the car up front and I guess that's the first time in my career in the IndyCar that I've sort of really had to put you know get the team under my, my foot a little bit and just put it up the front and put ourselves there and and um, yeah I was really that was probably Saturday made me really proud to at least you know compete you know for pole and be right there with an attempt of Pato who we all know is an amazing shoe like he's a great steerer like he's just uh he gets it done and and to be right there with him was pretty cool um and then obviously yes, Sunday I just rolled in knowing that we could win the race it was my pit crew's been one of the fastest all week all year sorry and um and I just knew I had to be there thereabouts with Pato and and be you know on the first exchange if we could get him on track position So first objective was to either get into the lead at the start and then perhaps just set on to second, save some fuel and then try and jump them in the exchanges. And, you know, that was exactly what we did. And and, um, we just sort of controlled the race from there, which was pretty nerve wracking, but, you know, a lot of fun as well.
1: You've gone to two iconic North American road courses in the space of a fortnight, but is going from Road America to Mid-Ohio like going from Bathurst to Winton? They, they, They seem like two completely different characters of racetrack in mid Ohio in particular just looks like a, a massive <laughs> roller coaster.
2: Yeah uh, you could say that for sure. I think you could almost put um, like mid Ohio in like the Winton basket. Like it's kind of like that tight, even though it's you know it's up and down and bits and pieces that Winton doesn't quite have, but it's that tight feel that you know precise and it's not hard to pass, qualifying to everything. Um, where Road America is it's it's just a big, you know, old track that you know that that eats tires and eats your body because you just got these five Gs, long loaded turns. You know, it's it's hard on the neck. It's um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a character building thing. And and uh, yeah, certainly, I guess looking Road America has that same character as Bathurst for sure. I think Bathurst, I think the closest thing to Bathurst here is Laguna Seca. Um, but it's yeah, I just said to Mum and Dad before I'm I'm really enjoying like. I've gone to so many cool cities here in America now and, and driven tracks that I've only, I've always wanted to drive, you know, since I was a kid. So um, just really just enjoying it and just living it, living the dream.
0: You mentioned mum and dad. So let's talk about that now. COVID crueled you last year and they didn't get the opportunity to pop over and see you in your first IndyCar year. But uh, you, is it was it how great was it to have them there this weekend for a win?
2: Yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. I mean, they've uh, basically been my housemates for the last couple of months, but you know, we're, we're enjoying it. We're butting heads occasionally, as you <laughs> always do with your parents when they stay at home. But, you know, it, it was so special to have them here. I've got a very short window and having them here, being able to compete in front of them and and for them to see me win. And I think the last time they saw me win was 2019 Bathurst. So it's a, a long time ago. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to, you know, win my, uh, my first IndyCar race in front of them. And, uh, yeah, it was certainly, you know, we've had a few celebrations um, you know, over the last, you know, 24 hours. It's been, it's been a hell of a ride.
0: I love what you're taking into your races now, and, and that's confidence. Uh, and that was evident, I think, on the weekend. You, you came second in qualifying, but your confidence was there saying, I I really believe I can win this. You win the race, you're six in the championship, I think you're 60 points off top, and you're saying, I believe I can still win the championship. So all of your verbal, all of your language now is all about confidence, and that's great.
2: Yeah, look, there's no reason why we can't win the championship if, if we execute. That's the main thing. Unfortunately, you know, we've had a couple of bad results along the way that probably has you know not helped our championship position i think if we had just finished indy i think we probably would have been close to the lead of the championship right now you know our our points we've been in positions where you know every race this year we've been on for potentially a top five or you know a top eight and you know that's something that to be proud of but a a goal that we want to achieve you know a, a average finish of seventh or eighth won the series last year so it's and that was our goal this season. Unfortunately, we've hit some bumps along the way, but our car speed's always been there. And I think our car speed can continue. We've been fast on, you know, I nearly won an on and over at the start of the year. You know, I've won on the street circuit now, i won on the road circuit. And it's just a mix of that coming over the next little bit, especially two races at Iowa that we were, you know, fastest at the test that just happened there. So, you know, I think there's some big points coming up that we can really, The probably the biggest wildcard for me right now is Toronto. Haven't been there. Um, I know I have got a great street course package, but it's just going to be about having a clean weekend there. If we come out of there with the top five, man, I'm, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about the rest of the season. That's for sure.
1: Scotty, how do you how do you engineer that consistency into IndyCar racing? Because if there's one thing consistent about IndyCar racing is that it's not consistent. It's so crazy competitive across every race that one weekend you're leading, and the next weekend you're twenty first but you're still only half a second off the pace. And I think out of the drivers in the top 10, every single driver's finished outside the 10 in two races or more. I think Dixon's the only one who's only had one finish lower than 10th, which is not a surprise for for someone like him.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: correct. Just, just accumulate every race. So as a team and as a driver, how do you approach things knowing that it's just so hard to nail that average finishing position that you've been talking about this year?
2: Yeah, crazy it's it's so um it's so frustrating like it's li- literally like very um mentally you know exhausting you know it, it like you, you just you've got to be constantly on the the ball you know and it's not even just you know in the race or whatever it's in qualifying it's in practice it's making sure in practice too that you qualify you you're in you know, this is sometimes luck, but you want to try and be fast as a practice too, because that means you're group two and qualifying. So you know what the track's doing mm. in qualifying. And you can sort of figure it out. Sometimes if you're second, you go out in group one, and the track's completely different to how this, the, the the car's set up, and you know it takes a bit for the track to bed in. So it's 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 you know so many little factors that that come into play in IndyCar racing. But I love it, you know, because it, it's 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 the epitome of sort of how. You know, I sort of went about my craft in Australia the last few years, you know, just dotting every I, crossing every T, knowing the rule book, knowing, you know, knowing every little bit that if we ever get into any situation, it's about like, you know, just trying to figure out the best position to get out of the, the, the bad position, you know, and making the best out of it. And I think, you know, my last few years in Australia at the top really you know, shaped me for what was ahead in an IndyCar, that's for sure.
1: And you mentioned you topped the Iowa test, which was a great result, and and your pace on ovals has been outstanding, and you were robbed by your teammate at Texas earlier this year, as you mentioned. Does it feel comfortable for you now on an oval? Does it feel second nature like it does on a road or street course?
2: Yeah. It's a little uh, – still a little bit unknown. Like, the first time I went to Iowa, like, learning the track and the bumps, it's very bumpy there. It's kind of like a, a street course, road course on an oval. It's pretty crazy. Um, but once I got up to speed, I was like, all right, that's perfect. I'm back in the comfort zone that I have at Indy or Texas. But like, for instance, like at Indy this year, it was two or three laps and it was sort of flat the whole way around, you know, and like last year it sort of took me. A good 20 laps, you know, maybe a tie set. So it's it's one of those deals where you, you just get comfortable with your surroundings. I'm not sure, I understand. So, Siri, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, you definitely get comfortable in your surroundings. And, um, yeah, I I I definitely feel like if I went out and had to qualify like straight away at Iowa, I feel like I'd be like in that front group for sure.
0: So, Scotty, do you find, are you more hands on with your team in an IndyCar than you were in supercars? Are you more, required to provide your input more so than you were in supercars
2: yeah i think it's interesting because i like ludo was like really big on me just focusing on driving you know tell me what you need from the car to make this car as fast as we can get it which is great because i was able to just focus on data and get it going but now it's a bit more like it's a spec series, you know, there's not much we can change. You know, it really is a lot down to my feel and the feeling that I've had at other tracks that, you know, okay, well, when I was at Road America, you know, a bar change helped me there. Can we do that here? Or, you know, and then I've got to really like sort of, document what we've done and like the team has a huge history of you know data and you know what they've done with notes and whatever but I've also built some notes up over last year and what was good for me and that's something that's really helped me hit the ground running this year because we've had notes and there was a consistent trend of me being too loose and qualifying last year and then we sort of fi- like fixed that for this year and and um that's been a massive change for me but the yeah for sure I've definitely got to be a bit more like you know deeper into you know data and where I want the car to be mm. um, particularly when we go from reds to blacks and blacks to reds you know it's 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 a it's a whole different ball game
1: Now Scotty, those of us that knew you before you became an international superstar were very aware that the American fans were going to latch onto you very quickly it's that's your nature we knew that you'd be appealing to them. But uh I need you to tell me about Bus Bros, please, because that has been a revelation of this season. You and Joseph Newgard and in your little YouTube series, can you just explain that for those that might not have seen it? Where did it come from? What's the idea and what on earth have you got planned in the future?
2: Yeah, we're just we're just idiots, you know. Like we just um <laughs> We just, uh, we, to be honest, me and Joseph get along very well. Like, it's it's surprising for a lot of people on the team, but I think it's been really good for the team. I think Will as well. We get along, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, me and Joseph particularly, I think we have a high level of respect for each other and what we do, and but we want to beat each other so bad. And we tell each other that. And it's I think it's made us very open and trustworthy of each other in some ways. Um, the bus pros thing, we talk so much crap like behind the scenes we're like we should really film some of this like it's pretty funny like you know like not not pumping our own tires but like we could make a pretty cool youtube series and uh, yeah joseph's got a a digital company and and um, he's got it all sort of you know there already is youtube following i was like okay well i'll just jump on board and you know it's a great way for the american public to meet me and learn my personality away from the penske side because you you've got that mantra at the end of the day mm. and um you know we i think we've sort of un you know really like releasing ourselves away from that mold a little bit and proving that we're just you know a couple of dudes just having you know the time of our lives and yeah i mean like saturday night i was dressed up as a Blown up eagle and and um and Joseph was dressed up as Uncle Sam, you know the guy that points the USA guy. So it's uh it's going to be a hell of an episode this next one. It's crazy.
0: So I'll tell you what? You're not the first uh, IndyCar driver to call his teammate an idiot in the last couple of days.
2: <laughs> Romain Grosjean oh, had a
0: fair go, didn't he, with Rossi? Cool. Oh
2: man, that was messy. I I uh I've been I got asked a few times in the press conference about like what like what's going on there and um. I mean, from my personal opinion, like looking in, like that, that's that been building like honestly all year. Like the, you know, Rossi, Grosjean, Herder, like I get along with all of them, but like it's just personalities that like mm. especially Rossi and Grosjean that just, they hit, you know, and it was, it was bound to happen eventually. And um, yeah, but look, hopefully you know Andretti get on top of that. Well, not hopefully because, I mean, it's good for us. <laughs> but, you know, they can keep banging each other around. I don't care. I'll just keep driving around. This, so it's fine. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, a great weekend, though, for Andretti. Not so much in IndyCar, but IndyCar lights. Mm. Uh, Hunter McElroy, what a fantastic win for him.
2: Yeah, awesome. I mean, it's, it's actually a hard case. I see Andy all the time now. Yeah. Um, his dad at the tracks. And it's great because he sort of brings a bit of Australia, New Zealand flavor for me. I talked to him about supercars. I talked to him about career cup down under and who's he got. And I'm always regarded as the, I'm MR3. So I'm McElroy yeah. Race McElroy Racing number three driver. Uh, that's how it codes all those drivers. And um, I was the third one he ever had. But anyway, so I've got a close relationship with Andy. I've worked with Hunter. I've, I've, I've seen Hunter grow up. I mean, me and my sister, we used to babysit him and his brother. Um, so to see him, you know, win an Indy Lights race on the same week and I win an Indy Car race is very cool. He's he's a tall lad. He's got a lot of confidence. He's he's uh, he's 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 on a great trajectory to get to Indy Car, and I I I, I highly um, think I, I really do think he'll get to Indy Car at some point. He's he's turning heads. He's doing the right things, um, and I think he's doing a really good job against someone like Alenis linquist who's now, he's been in the series you know, last year as well and he's got a heap of experience over him. So it's, it's um, yeah, um, I think he's doing a great job. I, I think if you, you talk to Andy
1: after a couple of sherbets, after a race meeting, uh, your career trajectory went mini challenge with McElroy straight to IndyCar. So he's claiming yeah. all of that success for you. <laughs> I'm joking, yeah. but kind of. Um, yeah. Steve Penske this year, having a blinder, uh, didn't get the 500, unfortunately, but yourself Joseph going well Will Power continues to engineer remarkable results especially on the weekend after um being nowhere what, what's the dynamic in the team like at the moment and there just appears to be a heap of confidence there amongst all three
2: cars Yeah we we we're, we're working really well together you know I think it's such a great uh, vibe in the team right now I mean Will's drive from 27th basically to 3rd was crazy I couldn't believe when they said he was 3rd I was like you're kidding me like well that's yeah. unbelievable like good job um like i said me and joseph get along like a house on fire like it's it's but it's not only that we're all pushing each other because we're all at the front we all want you know we've got three different setups or three different sort of ideas of where we want the car but in the end we get very close to each other by the end you know like by warm-up of the race day our cars are very similar in some ways and what we want from them and it's just a couple of little things here and there i think that's really pushing each other because we're able to find different setup philosophies and different ranges and it's really helping us all and yeah and confidence is a big thing the guys in the pit stops you know phenomenal I think every race we're in the top three um, which is huge in IndyCar all the little bits and pieces just getting that together but yeah super big vibes you know me Will and Joseph working really well together and, and, and I'm just really enjoying it there's not many times I'm really enjoying this part of my career because I'm racing against guys that are just at the peak. And, you know, I'm competing against like guys that have, you know, they got huge reputations in IndyCar. And if I can beat them, you know, it's a big, it's a challenge for me, but it's a, a big uh, great great thing for my reputation, I guess.
0: Mate, you uh we know that you're keeping your eye very close on what happens down here. You stay awake and watch the races in supercars. You're getting a feeling that this is uh uh, a fairly dominant year like it was maybe for you a couple of years ago for Shane?
2: Yeah, no, I, I, it's, I, love watching supercars still. I mean, I, I, I'm always tweeting about it. I like, like love it. I probably, I'm a bit less filtered now. So I just say how it is a bit more, but I don't care. Um like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Um, but the, uh, you know, Shane is just, he's on top of the world right now. He's doing a, a tremendous job. He's driving so well. He's driving so many different things. And, um it's it's great to see my teams pushing them it's great to see you know djr sort of finding their straps a little bit more it's always tough you get two new drivers with two different philosophies coming into there and it's probably taking them longer than they wanted to at least for the race win side but i think they're getting there and you know there's a lot of belief i still speak to a ton of the guys back there there's a lot of belief there and what they're doing i just just i guess from my point of view i just want to see like someone's got to stand up to Shane. Like someone's, you know, we got to, like, you got to block him. You got to, you got to race him hard. Like um, even Darwin, like on, on, on the weekend, like I, he took three tires, I think, I can't remember what, and he was just part and people just, you know, let him go past. And then the only people that didn't let him go past was Will when he got to second and he couldn't do anything. Mm. So imagine if a Chaz, imagine if someone else like a Heimgartner had at least blocked him a little bit, heated up his tires you know, he finishes sixth. There's another 150-odd points you take off him. You know, it's, that's the only way everyone can get back in the championship if you race him hard. And he'll race you hard, but he's, he's just eating them up right now. And, and I, I really hope he, he – um, I think he's doing a great job. Don't get me wrong, but you've got to – if you're going to beat him, you've got to you – race to his level. And, um it's uh it's but it's great to see him doing what he's doing and, and i hope someone does it uh, comes back to him as well and, and keeps the championship tight just just on that
1: mate you said of a bit of an example in in moving on from a, a supercar's career to other things an incredible opportunity but you're two and a half years into that journey shane's starting to spread his wings he's doing a lot of gt he's doing some rally stuff and going unbelievably mm-hmm. well if if he came to you and said hey do you think I should go and have a crack at something else like you did? What would your advice be to him? Oh
2: man, I, I would be absolutely, I just, you got to do it. You know, I think he's young enough. He's um he's tremendously good. Like I, I, I think he's top 10 race car driver in the world. You know, he, he's um you know, I think he could easily just really jump into anything. He's just a shoe. Like you just put him in there and he, he'll drive it as fast as he can smart guy, um, and I think he'd be fine. But, yeah, I think I think it just depends on what his goals are. I mean, at the end of the day, like I, I, I want to win a championship and a Bathurst, and I did that. And I was lucky enough to have Pensky, who knew my aspirations, knew what I wanted to do and move forward, and, you know, I was able to, you know, spread my wings a little bit. You know, Shane's it, it doing that, but probably on a, uh, on a little bit of a, a different level, I guess not having the same connection that I had directly to IndyCar. Um, but I think if he came over here and tried IndyCar, he'd be fast straight away. We know that. Um, I think if he did that NASCAR, same deal. But it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's up to Shane and what he wants to do. And if he wants to go home to New Zealand race Rally and that's all he wants to do, like, I'm sure that's, like, that's part of it. You know, he's a big family guy, loves his mum and dad, loves being with them in New Zealand. Um, I, I'd probably find it hard-pressed to see him move out of New Zealand or out of Australasia just because of that. And um, it just depends on your aspirations and what you want to do, but I think he's plenty good enough, long story short.
0: A final one from me, mate, and Krause, you might have a final one after that. Is this it for you now? Is, this, is IndyCar your pinnacle? Do, can you see yourself going any further, or are you an American boy now for the next 15 years?
2: <laughs> Look, I, I certainly want to try and retire here. At least, you know, finish my career here in the states. You know, uh, I've got a tremendous opportunity here to make some history as a Team Penske driver, and um, I think I'm equal, you know, most poles with Penske. Um, I've just won my fiftieth win with for Penske, you know, and I and I really want to. You know, I guess I'm modeling myself off like a Scott Dixon. You know, if I can at least have half, the, half of what he's done in his career, I'm going to you know, be a pretty happy boy. So, yeah, I'd love to finish here. I'd love to get back to Bathurst one day when the time's right. You know, the last few years hasn't quite worked out, but, um, you know, I still hold that racing, you know, pretty dear to my heart and, um, you know, everyone that got me to this position. Um, but it's, it's certainly just something that um, it's just going kind to of come with time. And But, you yeah, know, I want to, I, I want to, at least retire here. That's for sure.
1: Oh, Roger Penske's involved in a sports car program as well. So there could be Lamar or Daytona 24 or Sebring as well. In fact, you and Matty Campbell in a Porsche together,
2: that'd explode Andy McElroy's <laughs> head, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I don't know what MR number Matty Campbell is, but I think he's a, he's a pretty popular driver, but he's doing a fantastic job for Porsche. And what an awesome opportunity for him. I think for anyone in that program, like it's going to be an amazing Porsche Penske thing. Like it's, I've seen the back end of it and seen the background of it. And that's going to be an awesome program and something that, yeah, I'd love to be a part of one day for sure.
1: Uh, last one, mate. The The next three weeks arguably are the most important in the IndyCar season because you go back to back to back with a bunch of races in close succession. So from here, you mentioned Toronto on the street circuit, double header at uh, Iowa on the, the little short oval, which is going to be wild. That place always produces good racing. And then you're back to Indianapolis on the road course, which Mm -hmm. is important. And then a couple of weeks later off to Nashville on the street circuit. So just talk us through this next month. It's critical from a championship point of view that those swing of four or five races goes really well.
2: Yeah. Look, and I couldn't ask for like the momentum shift that we've had from road America, you know, seventh there. And then, you know, winning this weekend, um, just I really want to try and get through Toronto and, and and have a good result. I think that's going to be... I really can't afford to have a bad result now if I want to keep myself in the championship fight. Um, so that's up to me, up to the team. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a good headspace that so we can definitely challenge. It's just a matter of just make sure we, you know, we, we just got to just focus, focus in, lock in, execute and, and, and let, let it happen, you know, accept what's going to be. But if we do our job, you know, that's all we can do and and not trying to overextend ourselves. Cause that's when we start making mistakes, but yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped. Like that, that's a, the one thing that's sucks a little bit about the season. It's like, it's boring at the start. There's one, there's two, and then it goes crazy. You have month of May and then you have a little break. And then now it just goes crazy to the end and you race on some amazing racetracks Toronto Street Circuits is a famous street circuit here in the North America. I can't wait to race there. And then Iowa first short oval. Um, and then Indy with NASCAR, Nashville was a crazy race and then um, hopefully finish off the year strong on the West Coast.
0: And I apologise because I do have one more, which I should have mentioned.
2: <laughs> Phil, I, I could talk to you guys all day, don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, uh, mate, I, we I, could talk to you all day care. as well.
0: Thank you. Uh, are you feeling the love over there, mate? And, and you must be because you Everyone over here feels they have a little part of you. Everyone has a, a belief that they have that little connection with you from either watching you every weekend in supercars or knowing you as we have or meeting you and, and all that sort of stuff. Will Power, Scotty Dixon and those sort of guys didn't really have that connection to the Australian public or the New Zealand public. But, mate, you are us. You, you are there racing on our behalf. Do you feel that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess you guys saw me grow up. You know, like I yeah. met you guys when I was sixteen years old. You know, <laughs> like it's it's just it's how it is. Um, and you know, like I said, I was very privileged to have the upbringing and, and the the racing um you know, I guess career that I had in Australia meeting the people I did, you know, the, the times we had down under. There was some ups, there was some downs, but man, I had so many ups with just so much fun, you know, even just little things at after parties, you know, and just talking crap and, and hanging out. You know, it like I, I missed those days tremendously, but you know, I've definitely had a ton of like support from you know all different parts of you know super supercars management, you know, uh, you know, drivers, team owners, you know. Uh, you know, fans like on Facebook and stuff, you know, there's, there's Holden fans that used to hate my guts in Australia that now are on board with me because I'm a Chevy driver and vice versa. It's just, you know, it's, it's really cool. And I really can't wait to get back home. Like, I really want to try. I'm trying to hopefully be back for the Gold Coast race um, just to watch it. Um, if not, I'm going to try and get to Adelaide. I think uh, it'd be awesome to be back there and see uh, you know, Adelaide 500 again. Thank God that's back. It's, the powers of B have done a good job getting that thing back on. But, um, yeah, no, certainly it's uh, – uh, I miss a lot of people back home, but I have a tremendous amount of support, and, and it's really, really cool and a great feeling.
0: Well, hopefully, mate, you come back, and you come back as a IndyCar champion. That'd be lovely to send <laughs> you on the lap cool. of uh, the Gold Coast or Adelaide. Yeah. In the back of a well, car, I'm, if I'm an IndyCar
2: champion, I might not be sober the whole
0: time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll understand. We'll understand, yeah. oh, mate. We'll be there with
2: you. Believe me. Yeah.
0: Hey, mate. So great to talk to you. Thank you so much. It's been ages, and let's not leave it so long next time.
2: Yep. No worries. You got my number. Bro. All good. <laughs> good on you, mate. Thanks, well Scotty McLaughlin,
0: yeah. joining us here yeah. on the grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on the grid. Welcome back, Richard. Fantastic chat with Scotty. Back. He's just a ripper. Isn't he?
1: Yeah, it's good, isn't it? And, you know, we could have been talking three years ago in his final supercar year, or it could have been five years ago when he joined DJR. He's the same guy. He's just got um, he's just got more popular and more successful, and um, he's got some swagger about him, which we love. But, yeah, really good chat. Great to catch up with Scotty, and, gee, he's doing great things to win an in IndyCar these days. You need to be properly good, and um, he's doing the job, so... Great win! He's not that far out of the championship hunt, and yeah, looking forward to seeing, like we talked about, what the next few weeks bring because they are mm. critical
0: to the championship and how it unfolds. And as we welcome Mark Walker also into the conversation, Mark, when you win two IndyCar races in a season, what is your popularity in the states? I'd say be reasonable, and you're winning it
3: for roger penske and you're one of two drivers who've won multiple races this year i mean it went a little bit fluffy around in indianapolis or so a couple of uh tough races there but for him to rebound so quickly and to go out there and smack down once again and have alex plow once again chasing him down at the end it was like a carbon copy of uh saint petersburg all over again but just uh, awesome to see
0: it certainly wasn't as he mentioned also that Raced by Will Power from last to third, that was yeah, just an was amazing. amazing
1: drive. Yeah, great drive. He's in really good shape this year. Normally, Will starts the season slowly, but then picks up momentum at the end of the season, and he's got momentum all the way through at the moment. So, he's in good shape. Uh, Marcus Eriksson's just super consistent, so that's why he's leading the title. But yeah, Willie's looking really strong. So oh, it's a great, great battle this year. It, it's the most competitive um top level open wheel championship in the world at the moment in terms of the championship fight and the number of contenders in it and and they go beyond scotty in seventh place or sixth place i think he is now so yeah really good battle but like i said the the next few weeks are important toronto on the street circuit double header on the the ball ring at iowa which is always pretty wild um there's a road course in there as well at portland and then there's um the Gateway Oval and the Indy Road Course. So there's there's a lot in the next six weeks that will dictate how this championship plays out and you've got to have to be good at all of them to uh, to win yeah. this year.
3: There's some Waldorf races where if you are up the back, you can come through. We saw it at Detroit a couple of rounds ago. Mm. It didn't matter if you're up the back at the start. If you picked your strategy right and you raced hard, you're still able to make your way forward, which Will Power did on both occasions. I think Scotty got a bit lucky there with that caution in the middle of the race where he was able to take his stop when they were just holding out a little bit for some of the cars to do their service. IndyCar do this funny thing sometimes where they're like, oh, well, we're going to throw a caution, but we'll let some people pit. But on that particular occasion on the weekend, it's not like they let everyone pit. They sort of let Scotty pit and Mm. then they put out the yellow flag, which sort of saved him in hindsight, but uh, he still got the job done. Probably didn't have the fastest car in that last stint there, but, he had to drive really, really well, which is uh, something that he's done a lot of on these shores. And they mentioned it in the call over there, Lee Diffie. It's, it's pretty cool to hear all these mm. Aussies involved mm. and Kiwis uh, still up there, absolutely batting hard. And yeah, huge week. How about um, our little friend, friend of the show, Hunter McElroy?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. How
3: that was that?
1: That was cool. I watched that while the Grand Prix was unfolding. And yeah, that, that's a huge moment for that young bloke. He's worked very, very hard for that. Um, hasn't gone over there with rich parents or huge amount of funding. Mm-hmm. He's, he's grafted away for it. Um, there's some cool stories that I'm sure will come out down the road about how he's gone about raising his funds over there and and he's he's got some uh, gumption, that young bloke, which is great to go and approach people and say, hey, give me some cash. But I think there's a, a little cult of personality that young Hunter's got that draws people to him to want to support him and I think that's fantastic. Really impressive drive. He had that race smoked like he was eight seconds in front when the caution came out late in the race and still won it by three over Matty Brabs, who's been one of the form drivers this season. So the couple of the top guys in that championship this year are earmarked for IndyCar drives in the next year or two. Hunter's probably still a season away from that at this point, but... Having said that, it's still a lot of racing to go in in that series, and he's still very much in the championship fight. So who knows, he could end up on the grid at the 500 next year. Yeah, exactly.
3: That's a part of the whole prize and the the latter system that they've got in IndyCar you win Indy lights and you're on your way up there and the fact that he's driving for Intrini Autosport is such a big deal because that mm. team is so successful in that class they know how to get it done and they're clearly getting it done at the moment with uh, all their drivers sort of mixing it up at the front which creates a bit of a drama when you know, you, you want to forge ahead but you've got such stiff competition within your own
1: team group. The the beauty with the IndyCar ladder system, unlike Formula One where Piastri sort of been screwed out of a drive in a way Mm. is that teams are happy to loan their drivers out in IndyCar, like Kyle Kirkwood going to AJ Foyt. So he's an Andretti driver and they went, well, you should probably go and get a season's worth of experience before you Mm. come and join the mothership. Probably picked a good year to not drive for Andretti, to be honest, (laughs) because they're having a Barry in the IndyCar championship. Um, Yeah. So there's, you know, there's, there's nothing to say that he couldn't get loaned out or bought out by someone else because those teams are spending cash again now in getting talent, in securing drivers, which is great. And, and look at Aaron McLaren are expanding to three cars and still not sure who's going to be in their second primary car alongside or their third car, whether it's Rosenquist or somebody else. Teams are going places there. So there's a lot of opportunity in that series to end up in a really good car, whether it's an Andretti car or not.
3: Uh, just backtracking to the IndyCar race, Alex Rossi. Or the whole entry Autosport thing—they oh, they just all just,
1: imploded, didn't they? Like was between Rossi and Grosjean. Nonsense. Yeah, I, I think they're they're over because the cars aren't that good. Like Colton Herter looks so good at the start of the season, but they've just—they're not as fast as the Penske cars, and they've probably been jumped by the McLarens in terms of raw speed. Like how unlucky were McLaren on the weekend? Like Pato O'Ward mm. on pole thing broke, and Rosenquist out early as well, like and qualified really well. So. They, they were unlucky, but fast. So just get the feeling the Andretti guys are ragged trying to hold on to the package they've got. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange old game, that series. But like we said with Scotty, if you're half a percent off there, you'll pay 15 and absolutely yeah. nowhere. And it gets very difficult to work your way forward.
0: Yeah, very much a bittersweet weekend for Andretti Autosports, celebrating on the Saturday and then punching up on the Sunday. Mm. It's, yeah, it's the way to go. Hey, uh, we hit the streets of Townsville supercars this weekend very much looking forward to that yeah it's always nice it's it's a great place
1: to go it's a ripper city it's a good racetrack really cool place to to watch motor racing and uh, always promote some pretty entertaining motorsport and we've had um double doses of of townsville racing in the last couple of years so it's been a bit of a, a savior for the championship uh in COVID times and it'll be nice to return there in beyond COVID times when everything's opened up i remember flying up there last year i had no idea whether i could get back into south australia because the queensland border was still shut so i was on a plane with um fellow carrera cup racer sam shahin and we were sitting in the lounge in brisbane waiting to jump on the flight going "Mm, this is a risk but anyway we'll do it for motorsport i suppose but um it'll be nice to go out there without that hesitation this year but yeah, looking forward to it. It's a cool event, and um, from a supercast point of view, it'll be good. Good support program too. Lots of mm. on-track action, and yeah, it should be uh, should be great. Nice to go and visit North Queensland, even if it is fairly cold up there at the moment.
3: Yeah, uh, it- yeah, eleven degrees or something is the minimums up there this week, which is
1: terrifying. So you- to be fair, minimums eleven degree fine. eleven degree minimum in Queensland
0: in in Townsville.
1: Yeah, it feels yeah. like, but it doesn't. That never feels that cold relative to eleven degrees oh, in lies, Melbourne or Adelaide. No, it's Minimums in
0: Alice Springs no. at
1: the moment are one. Yeah, I don't yeah,
3: think. it never hum- feels that bad. A humid low temperature is terrible.
2: Not that humid it's like there though. It is. It's oh, not, not that humid
3: at. in
1: Townsville. Not Come at on, the, it's not. It's the dry season. <sighs> no,
2: nah, righto. righto.
1: Yeah, I cop 11 degrees. We had two days last week where it didn't get to 11 degrees here. I cop a
0: maximum of 11 degrees. Exactly.
1: Correct. No, I'm all for it. That's fine. Mid-20s during the day, but perfect. Don't need anything more than that. How do you read the form guide for this weekend? Because reading form
3: guide this year hasn't been much chop except for perhaps picking SVG, which is just an absolute given. But last event, we had three different winners from three different teams, and SVG wasn't that far off the pace. He probably should have won a race or two in that mix last year the last race there the super sprint uh won two of the three races were won by Cameron Waters from Tickford which was a just a huge turnaround from them from the first week but other than that it's been a bit of a Shane Van Gisbergen fest up there going back to 2020 when Scott McLaughlin uh had a couple wins and obviously this year is the first time that the King of Townsville is not going to be competing Jamie Winkup he he's won more races up there than anyone and not having him on the grid is going to have a Hold the fill. Now, last year he was so competitive. Remember him banging doors with SVG? Yeah. That was great.
1: Yeah, yeah. He hadn't won up there since the first round in twenty twenty, though. So he he sort of he was fast, but didn't didn't win races. So yeah, I, I don't think that's going to change the form form guide too much. The, the The question for mine still is this consistency factor we've been banging on about all season long, and whether the Walkinshaws and Tickfords of the world are actually going to continue the form that they've got. Uh, and and we talked about Tickford. They've now been competitive, what, three rounds in a row, if not four, mm. and that's amazing for that squad because usually it's so hot or cold. And, and Townsville last year was exactly that because remember the first week for the Townsville 500, Shuffling. they were nowhere. Yeah. And then they roll out the week after in the super sprint format and Cam won two of the three races and won the weekend. So, yeah, what what version do we get? Do we get their long-distance form or not? I, I'm just – yeah, form aside, I, I'm – I'm happy that we're going back to some fuel races. 250K races are always a really good supercar format. It's sort of the the sweet spot, I think, in the supercars race format in all of the various different ones they've got because they're sort of long enough to be almost endurance races. You get a bit of that strategy. You get the fuel stuff going in as well. Although why we still persist with the fuel drop, I don't know, because that was something to prioritize the overhead cam cars versus the pushrod cars, which is now irrelevant. But um yeah, I, I just like the different format and hopefully that spices things up and and it'll give you cam orders and it'll give you Chas Mostets and those just more opportunities to run with Shane. But there's no reason to go into this round not thinking that Shane Van Gisbergen's the favourite, in my opinion.
3: And I mean, after the Biff and Barge of Darwin, where James Courtney had his car written off multiple times, last year Townsville, we had 800 Ks where there were no safety cars. Mm. So, I mean, it's the sort of track where it's sort of feast or famine. Sometimes the the Biff is absolutely brought back and it's a safety car fest. But last year, at least, all the drivers sort of proved that they're able to keep it clean for 800 k's until Mac has stuffed it in the fence at Turn 10.
0: Well, Scotty McLaughlin was quite interesting before, Mark, in saying that uh, he wishes that there was a bit more, not sort of Biff, I suppose, but he wants to see those drivers in contention take it right up to Shane. Mm. He wants to see them push him as hard as they can. He said, at the moment, Shane's got it all his own way. He comes out with new tyres. No one does anything to him, and he smokes everyone. He says, let's see some drivers blocking him. Let's see some drivers taking it up to him and let, getting his tyres a bit warm.
3: But we saw in Darwin that the Shell V-Power cars on Saturday covered each other off rather than covering off Shane, which yeah. was crazy. And then finally, in that last race, Shane did go the big aggressive move, and it didn't pull off for him. So that was for the first time all year, he's been doing these big bold moves that he's become famous for and it
1: didn't stick. So whether that'll temper him a bit? No, probably not. It won't change a thing. He, but he's the only one making it. He's the only one making those moves. And that, I think that was Scotty's point is that no one else will do it. At least you got to have the car to do it. At least not visibly. Yeah. But still like you can be aggressive in a not particularly good car and, Go the send, like and, and it need. there's almost a point where someone's going to have to put a a line in the sand and go well unless someone does something big soon the championship's over like the margin came back slightly after the last round but it's still ridiculous it's like what 250 odd points so yeah. it, it and this weekend in the two race format it's 150 points a race so he wins both races this weekend uh that that's an enormous swing towards Van Gisberg and having his hand on this championship by the time they head to Mount Panorama. So, and that's the real risk now. When you go through two races in Townsville, three at the Bend, three at Sandown, um, three at Pukakoe, are they running three or four over there? I'm not sure. Um, that's a lot of racing for him to get a lot of points. and And every one of those tracks, he's been very good at. So yeah someone's got to draw a line in the sand at some point soon and it feels like to me this is the weekend with extra points on offer across two races rather than three this is the weekend to do it this is the weekend where shell v power need to go whack carry that form they had from darwin and smash home two victories and a pair of one twos ideally to keep shane down off the top two steps of the podium because otherwise he's just going to keep accumulating points because he can afford to do that now that's the scary thing Like, we're halfway into the championship, and he can absolutely accumulate points from here on in. That's the scary thing about his current position and what he's strung together in the first half of the championship.
3: Doing some stats for the event, um, back 2015, Mark Winterbottom donged him in Townsville's year that he won the championship. He left there with a 248-point lead in the championship. He wound up winning the championship by 238,
2: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> eight rounds later. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's
3: that sort of place where it, it is a halfway mark and you can
1: coast and collect from here on in if you're Van Giers, which he certainly won't. Mm. It's a shame the Battle of Shebeks for the championship isn't for second onwards because behind that, it's great. Mm. So with, with deeper Squally, Waters, Davison, Reynolds, Mostet, uh, and Feeney even at 1,059 points, it's just over 300 points or one race weekend covering all of those drivers. So the battle for best of the rest is awesome. We've just got to change that to be the battle for first.
0: Yeah.
3: Hey, good support program too lined up this weekend. You've got the Super 2 slash Super 3. You've got over 30 cars for that. You've got uh, the Porsche Carrera Carp. You've got 286s. You've got the Gen 3 car uh, doing demonstration runs. You've got the Touring Car Masters. Tasty.
1: Yeah, it's good. Have over 30 cars in Super 2, 3, Toyotas, and Carrera Cup wow. as well. So, yeah, that's that's going to be spicy. Uh, at what point in the weekend does Super 2 go full Super 2, do we think? It's turn two, lap one, race one, isn't it? Look, hmm. I, I can see a couple of them getting wedged together, trying to get out of the dummy grid. Yeah, entirely likely. Entirely likely. Gee, it's been spicy. It's spicy this year. I like it. Good racing.
0: There must be Super License points on offer.
1: <laughs> oh, stop it. That's very good from you. That's very good from you. <laughs> I like it. Well, there are. That's there the right. thing.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you you were making a joke and inadvertently were absolutely yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> so there was news just before we uh have gone to air here.
0: Yeah, and interesting news too, isn't it? Because it's the news that uh Anderson Motorsport have lost their wildcard effectively for Bathurst. 1,000, and it would just seem the story is very much a, a he said, she said type thing, isn't it? It's Anderson said, we've done what we've done. We put in our application. Motorsport Australia granted us a licence, and now they're telling us they're pulling it away. Someone obviously hasn't done their due diligence. Yes. <laughs> it's a pretty wild
3: story that'll come out in the wash, but uh, all the uh, bells and whistles, Michael Anderson claims that he's got a, a super licence in his possession, and Motorsport Australia said, Oh, no, you're not. We've re looked at your paperwork and the boxes weren't ticked properly, or there's something amiss with them, or the information provided therein. You seriously do
0: that though before you provide a super license, don't you?
3: Yeah, you do all your background checks and due diligence throughout that whole process. It's wild, but i uh, been to see what happens there whether they pull the pin on the whole project or they go and shoehorn a couple other drivers in there, you know, a, a proper privateer effort. Out of Bathurst for the 1000, something that hasn't happened in a, a very long time, and people would love to send an extra Mustang on the grid, I'm sure, but um, needs to have some drivers.
0: Yes, not saying anything,
1: Thanks, oh, nothing to add, really. It's okay.
3: uh, yeah, it's interesting, it, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's curious,
1: it's, it's a bit silly. <laughs> I right, just the whole uh, the whole process is is overly complicated in between. The fact that it relies both on supercars and Motorsport Australia to make it happen. And that's, it, it's not just the one entity that can steer the ship there because MA has to approve the super license, whereas the entry itself is approved or denied by supercars, it- which is who are the promoter. So it just becomes it becomes – there's a lot of grey areas around it which lend to confusing stories like this that does – I don't think it does actually anyone any real favours. You know, the, journos. the,
3: the, the, the super licence thing, you know, there's a lot of rules and regulations in place. You score points by competing in certain championships. On face value, Michael Anderson doesn't qualify for a super licence. He'd have to get a dispensation because he hasn't been up there scoring points in all these different categories that you need to score points in. You look over the history of the whole super license thing, the ones that have been knocked back, Nathan Hearn, he was doing all his driving outside of Motorsport Australia. So his motorsport experience wasn't relevant to what Motorsport Australia is doing. You go back to Matt Charter, who missed out in 2017 on the Lucas Dumbrell drive after he went bowling at the first corner at Sandown in 2016 and wiped out most of the field. So they knocked him back on the where he was at that point. Now he finished fourth in the series last year and he's got a super licence up his sleeve automatically by finishing top five in Super 2. So there's no question about his entry for his wildcard this year at Bathurst.
0: Interesting. Can, we, can we have a, a drive day at Bathurst? We're all prospective drivers who want to drive in the 1,000, similar to what they do at E, get to cut some laps. And if they get within a time and they do it safely, then we say, yep, you're fine.
1: Mm, yeah, but it's, it's more Because still, the,
0: because still effectively, it's you can accumulate as many points as you like throughout a season to get your super license, but if you haven't driven a Bathurst, you still haven't driven a Bathurst. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it, I'd, I'd like to see, and I, I haven't done an enormous amount of research, to be honest, into where Michael's accumulated his points, but um, he got eight for finishing second in Super 3 in 2020, uh, 2021, correction in that championship last year, he finished runner up to uh, Nash Morris. So he had eight points there, but that's not enough on its own to qualify. But then it goes back over a couple of years and he was in super tour. What was V8 touring cars? Um, he finished six in 2018. And I think he was in the top five the year before. So um, you'd have to see how those points accumulate. So you finish six, you get four points. So there's, 12, uh, good maths, Krause, and then let's say it was fifth the year before, there's another five. So, yeah, I, it just depends on how far back they're looking and what their mm. um, what their things are. But that they need, I think the sport needs to be quite clear on how it's processing this. And there needs to be, someone needs to come out with a table going, right, here is why we've said no to Michael Anderson or why we've said yes. Yeah. So, yes, he's finished Fifth here and got five points, he finished six here and got four points, he finished second here and got eight points, that's enough points to qualify him for a super licence, or not. Yeah, just It just needs to be clear. It, it's a, a messy, messy system.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, do we want to cover off any more on the supports at Townsville? Career uh, Cup would be great. Look, Career Cup is
1: in great form at the moment. Three different round winners from three rounds so far in both pro and pro-am, and six different teams have won either pro or pro-am rounds this year. So it is hugely competitive, Shebex. Uh, Ooh, and as always. In Ta- uh, Darwin, we had 25 cars covered by second in qualifying. Townsville is traditionally even closer from a, a one-lap point of view, and uh, it's the track where the am drivers, the pro-am drivers, can often pop up towards mm. the front of the field. Roger Largo Roger scored a pole yeah. position there a couple of years Correct, ago. yeah. Which was a remarkable story, aided by some ABS in that car, which the pros didn't have at the time. But at the same point, he had to do the had to do the lap. So, and he did it. And Liam Talbot was towards the front there as well. So, yeah, it, it's just it's such a good championship from a competition point of view. And the races in Townsville last year were properly box on elbows out kind of stuff. So, looking forward to uh, to more of the
0: same. And we have to cover off on what was an amazing weekend of Formula One oh. as well. Oh. Shebex. Oh, what a race. It was that, a really,
1: especially the back end of the race was fantastic. Well, the, that, whole, the whole thing was incredible. And, and look, yeah. even, even the, the shunt at the start, the, the fact that Joe and Albon essentially walked away from it is remarkable. So it adds yeah. to the story of that race, and people will forever remember that race with that crash. And the fact that Zhou was completely and utterly uninjured by that, which is a testament to the safety of the cars and everything around it. But from there, it it was great. It it had everything you wanted from a Grand Prix. It had strategic interest with Hamilton going the overcut on the Ferraris and not quite nailing it. You had the different tyre compounds. You had Ferrari making a faff of things again and going full Italian and self-destructive on their team orders stuff, which was great. And drivers arguing about how to manage the race and – And Ferrari trying to overmanage it, telling Carlos how to restart. He ignored them. And so he should have because he won the race. And then you had Carlos winning in his 150th Grand Prix. And I wrote in the race talk, a little op-ed after the race, that Formula One does a lot of things really well, drama, controversy, political intrigue, all that stuff. The one thing it does better than all of it is numeracy. So from a stats point of view, what a great little record that is for Carlos. So it just added on. And then the last 10 laps are the best... Um, the best 10 laps of Formula 1 racing that there has been for a very long time. And the highest praise you could ever give it was that it was like a Formula Ford race because it was. It was just, yeah, it was insane motor racing. And that's what you want. It's a huge tick for the, the regulations changes this year. And a lot of it wasn't DRS. A lot of it was just racing drivers carving at it.
3: Richard, congratulations. You picked him for a win for 150 races, and you finally got, got I've right. only
1: picked him for a win since he joined Ferrari. <laughs> you know. To be fair.
0: Like, oh, hang on. What, what about in our little group, I, my top three before the race, I said Sainz, yeah. Perez, yeah. and I had Russell. I didn't realise he wasn't going to get through the first lap. But yeah. yeah no, I knew pom well. would get third, so I'll, I'll replicate well. him with Hamilton. And I was right. You back someone enough
1: Consistently, eventually they're going to get up, and you get a result. So we were pay off. It was great. No, it was a great result. Really, nice. really good, and um, oh yeah, just awesome. Awesome car race. It was worth worth staying up to the wee hours for that one.
0: A couple of uh, incidents, as you mentioned, there was one in F ones. Uh, the one in F two wasn't a bad one either.
1: Halo's doing its job. Sausage Ooh. cabs for open wheel cars, big no no though. They uh, they can go away. What was Nasani thinking when he put him on the grass? Like, what was the expectation
3: of where he was going to go? Formula 2 racing, isn't it? It's like, he, he's gone now. Don't worry about him. We're going Pretty to get here. And the th- the
0: funny thing about it was, was that there was another four cars that could have been hit, but he was the one that got hit. Mm. It was sort mm. of like, hang on, mate. I'm just waiting to line you up. Bang, gotcha. It was going to be a crash one way or another. It was
1: just that that, that sausage curb there to to dictate the track limits is what launched it into the air um and and you know they designed those with the best of intentions in that okay we're going to stop them from shortcutting this corner and they don't think well they probably do think but the expectation that a car is going to hit it from behind to launch itself into the air is not generally something that's factored in but yeah it just doesn't work so he was going to get crashed into his side pod or his head and ultimately it was head because the car got launched into the air. Unfortunately, the halo
0: did its job. Yep, it did. It did. And that, if, if we were to do a hot and not little segment here on this show right now, the halo is my hot at the moment. It saved two lives over the weekend. There is nothing better in motorsport at this point in time than the halo. Yep. Yep, that's fair. What's your not? the halo what's your not no 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 you no, no. guys with your hots first if you like oh, okay well i've sort
1: of covered mine it's the british grand prix but in particular it's the last 10 laps and the theater around that it's just it's everything i want out of a car race that was fantastic it's one of the the better better grand prix ever so that is my hot blanket hot for that whole race fantastic now
3: my hot for the weekend and i've watched it many times and it's made me smile and laugh each and every time was Scott McLaughlin's celebration after winning that race, <laughs> after he fell over at St. Petersburg. He made amends. He took his time. He did a nice little jump, pretty lame. He then did the most lame forward roll you've ever seen mm. in history. And the crowd and if that's what's going to happen, I am here for it, you know, Carl Edwards would just do the backflip after he won. If Scotty McLaughlin's just going to do a nice, neat little Front roll, oh, I'm absolutely here for it. I think that's fantastic.
0: My not is David Croft's love for Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> I can't cop it anymore, seriously. And it's not just Lewis Hamilton. It's any driver that was born in the UK. He gets an absolute massive stiffy over that, and it's just not right. It's, he's got to realise that he's doing an international broadcast and the rest of us in other parts of the world just can't cop it. Richard Crowell never went like that with Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, I kind of he didn't did. Didn't have a chance. I, no, because I I he, he didn't do a very good job.
1: I will say that the one thing you need to consider with that is that whilst the broadcast is taken internationally, it's not an international broadcast.
0: No, I know. I it's know. Sky
1: Sports UK and they are playing 100% to a UK audience. Yeah. That's the only thing I'll say to add some context to that.
0: No, no, I don't understand it. I just can't cop it.
1: Yeah. The thing that gets me with the F1 broadcast is that Formula 1 produced a perfectly competent world feed pre-show, post-show, and commentary, which I think this year is uh, Ben Edwards, I think, is back doing it with Alex Jacks. possibly. I'm not sure. Um, and yet Fox in Australia, ESPN in the States, they all take Sky Sports. So why? I don't know. You'd be the judge. I'm not sure. What's your knot? My knot is those absolute freaking moron protesters mm. at the British Grand Prix. And they are the lowest of lowlifes that do that. And I loved the fact it was almost Monty Python esque comedy in that they went onto the racetrack but the right to disrupt the race, but the race had already disrupted itself by having a massive mm. crash. And the cars, by the time they got to the point on the street where the protesters were, had been completely neutralised. So they were completely and utterly redundant in their efforts. Can we for one minute just stop and think about what would have happened if that had not have happened? It was utterly terrifying, Shebeks. No, just amazing. And, and it not only would have caused harm to them, but I don't want to hit a 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 kilo person in a road car, let alone... A race car yeah. because it will cause massive damage to the person driving the car as well. So it didn't just put their own lives at risk, it put those on the racetrack at risk and the officials who had to run out onto the racetrack to stop them at risk. It is irresponsible. I hope they get the full force of the law thrown at them um, because that kind of thing is utterly ridiculous and it's yeah. counterproductive to your own thing. Like you've got two amazing. Uh, ambassadors for the whole green movement in Formula One already and Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel. I mean, Sebastian well, Vettel spent his own money to fuel his own classic Formula One car with biofuel to get the whole green is good thing across before the race. Yeah. Like work with them. Don't try and disrupt the race. But so, it even
0: forced Lewis's hand in that regard in that he had to come out and say we need more of these sort of protesters around. Not that he not that he a hundred percent backed well, he, he, what they he did. Spoke
1: he spoke and then had to backtrack a little bit because yeah. he, he said, oh, I support them, and then went, oh, no, they probably don't. shouldn't have run on the racetrack, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, that's why not. It's it just absolutely ridiculous. Very, I, very stupid.
3: I've always battled to understand the theory behind gluing yourself to a road in order to promote climate change where you're just causing yeah. a traffic jam that's you're causing making people more angry. Correct. change. Yeah,
1: yeah they're not going to go, oh, that bloke's glued himself to a road. I, I'm definitely going to support him in banning that, not... Smaller more the case of uh, this guy, an absolute moron, he's making me an hour and a half late for work and I'm going to get sacked.
3: And, and the polar ice caps melted because I've been sitting here in this traffic jam.
1: Exactly right, with my aircon on and my car idly. Yeah. Morons. Morons. Um, on the subject,
3: my uh, It was in America, Alcott Lake, the XFINITY race, Noah Gregson. What are you thinking, pal? What were you thinking? Walk us is through it-, it. He was battling with Sage Karam. He's Sage... IndyCar driver who's doing a a few of the XFINITY races this year, they were banging into each other a bit and Noah decided that he'd had enough. Halfway down the straight, absolutely turned him into the fence and caused a 13-car pile-up.
0: good. Good.
3: Absolute peak stupidity, but because it's NASCAR, boys have at it and have a good time, and they absolutely wadded up a third of the field, which was not good to see.
0: As Romain Grosjean would say. He's an idiot. Yes. <laughs>
3: but Like, if you're going to turf someone, you do it at the breaking zone at Turn 4 where you can just pop them into the sand trap and they're done and you haven't taken out half the field. Anyway, mm. that was pretty stupid and I'm sure there'll be more that will come of that. Interesting weekend. Elkhart Lake. Um, it was. And I'm, and I'm the sure sleepy, there'll be... Sleepy race. Oh, the, the cup race. Yeah, no good. Outside of Tyler Reddick having a bit of a battle with Chase Elliott, there wasn't much to it. So... uh yeah, the, the NASCAR uh, road course races were really good last year, but this new package, they haven't really turned on. I don't know. Maybe Road America is not the best track for them. They're better off at tighter little bull rings. The word in the street is that that race will be replaced with a, a street circuit in Chicago. So I think a street circuit, they'll have a much better chance of warding stuff up without Noah Gregson. And
0: Why congratulations don't... to NASCAR also for running a race in under three hours from start to finish. It's yeah. an amazing <laughs> That's- effort. Remarkable.
3: But the the problem is over there, they have these competition cautions, but it's a four-mile racetrack. Competition Mm. caution works all right in a half-mile racetrack, but they take 15 minutes to complete.
1: You don't need stages on a road course. No. Not that one. No.
3: Not any of them. Like, you can can wave the stage flag, but you
1: don't have to stop the field. No. No. It just takes so much of the strategic opportunity out of it as well Mm. to run a fuel economy strategy or go flat out or tyres or whatever it might be. So... Yeah. Anyway, that's a, a topic for another day. Uh, uh, thanks to Doric, who are our supporters yes. of the Power Rankings. We appreciate their ongoing support. Go to doric.com.au forward slash shop and buy many things, uh, the, the, links via the website.
3: Sorry, their competition's still going too, win the VIP trip to the um, Adelaide, Adelaide 500. 500. Sorry, I, I got you to take one of the things off the website, but I was wrong. It goes until the end of July. Which oh, you like, like to until back after. Yeah, just that one. Yeah. Okay, no worries. Sorry, Sorry, should, of, can we talk about this offline? A bit of
0: housekeeping. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We yeah. didn't even mention Gary Jacobson. No,
3: we talked about that last week. Good. Yeah, I but think. he's going to be replaced by uh, James it seems Golding. Seems like it.
0: Yeah,
1: we're going to roll with James Golding. This will go out Wednesday morning, and we're pretty certain <laughs> it's going to be James Golding, based on the fact that uh, Team 18 sent out a statement saying he's not going to be their co driver. He's co-driver not going to be driving our co, co- driver. So uh, g- well done, Bieber. Excellent. Yep. Good work.
0: All right, boys. Great stuff. Catch you next week. Enjoy Townsville. Hard not yes. to, Shebex. Yeah, I know. I know. We'll uh, talk soon. And we'll Bye talk to now. you soon right here on The Grid.